0: Welcome to Women Read Scripture. I'm Drew Huffaker. I'm Mariana Richardson. And we're so glad that you can be here with us today. We will be studying 2 Nephi 31 through 33. And it's, it's interesting to think of this is the very last chapters that Nephi is going to be leading his people as the prophet. And he leaves his final testimony with us that I just love. And I'm going to miss Nephi. <laughs> you know, I bet his so people wonderful. are going I'm to sure. miss Nephi. Sure. Can you imagine? I'm sure. um, his whole life has been dedicated to following the Lord and teaching his people. And I think it's interesting at the very last words out of his mouth, his final declaration for to his people was, the Lord commanded me and I must obey. Now, isn't that such a Nephi thing to say? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean... From the very
1: beginning as a youth, yeah, was his mantra.
0: He always wanted to know the will of the Lord and just go out and do it. From the days when he had to risk his life to go get the brass plates, when he was asked to build a ship and go across these great waters, hoping his ship stays intact as they're traveling along. And then to declare the word of God to all of the people, he has just always been the person that will go and do whatever the Lord wants him to do. And he's such a great example. And he was such a great example of living that principle to his people. And we, I love the scriptures. And we will talk about those a little bit later about how his pillow at night is wet from the tears of crying for his people. And his heart is going out to his people. But his people loved him for his living example of pressing forward in a steadfastness in Christ.
1: Well, and what an example he gives us even today. You know, we talk about his example to his people, but I too have such a strong (laughs) testimony of the importance of obedience because of Nephi's example to me. And I think of our primary children who love the song, I will go, I will do the things (laughs) the Lord commands. That wonderful song also teaches our children from the time they're just little. The same thing that, I you know, the Lord
0: commandeth me and I must obey. And he doesn't just wait. He Mm-mm. immediately goes and does whatever the Lord commands him. And that's also a lesson that we all need to learn, right? To quickly obey as well. Well, these
1: chapters, I have to admit, I I mean, there are favorite places in the Book of Mormon that are just like my favorites. These chapters in the Book of Mormon are some of my favorites. Some of the verses that we're going to be reading today are ones that I just cherish with all my heart. And so I do, I am so thankful for Nephi and these final words that he's given to us. One of the chapters that, of course, I just love with all my heart and soul is 2 Nephi 31. And, of course, anyone... Who has served a mission recently, of course, knows the doctrine of Christ and how this is a chapter that is chock full of the gospel of Christ, the gospel or doctrine of Christ. You can say it either, both of them are the same. But I would like to say that, in terms of missionaries, every single day they talk and teach the gospel of Christ, but they also kind of their mantra is to invite others to also live the doctrine of Christ and to come unto him mm-hmm. and the doctrine of Christ, of course. And we talked about this before is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, second repentance, third baptism, and then fourth receiving the gift of the Holy ghost and finally enduring to the end. And I just, I wanted to read this one part, second Nephi 31 21, mm-hmm. because this is the way he says, and now behold, my beloved brethren, This is the way, and there is none other way nor name given unto heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Now there are other wonderful places in the Book of Mormon that teach us the doctrine of Christ. And I did want to turn to just one other of those places, which of course is 3 Nephi 11. And when the Savior comes to the Nephites at that point, the very first thing he does is he first lets everybody touch his hands, feel his side, so that they know that he is a a resurrected being with the body. And then he teaches them about baptism and how to baptize, he gives them the words of baptism. And then he teaches them the doctrine of Christ. And when he teaches them the doctrine of Christ, it also enables them to understand that this is the rock. This is the foundation. And it says, verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my doctrine, and whoso buildeth upon this, buildeth upon my rock. So when we talk about the doctrine of Christ or the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the rock. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. And whoso shall declare more or less than this. And I think of our discussion last time about people who say, I don't need any more truth. You know, I have enough. And he's saying, no, if you say more or less than this um, and establish it for my doctrine, the same cometh of evil and is not built upon my rock, but he is built upon a sandy foundation. And the gates of hell stand open to receive such when the floods come and the winds be beat upon them. Now, the interesting thing about 3rd Nephi is that we have this same, the doctrine of Christ, just like in the, the verses that we're reading today. But at the very end of 3rd Nephi, the last two verses of 3rd Nephi, is basically a call to come unto Christ to us in the latter days, to us Gentiles in the latter days. And I think it is so powerful to think about how coming unto Christ and the doctrine of Christ is one of the major themes of the Book of Mormon. And that's one of the reasons why I so love what we're reading today. It is just my favorite. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the doctrine of Christ?
0: Well, isn't it interesting that when he appeared to the Nephites in 3rd Nephi, besides letting them know who he was, by them coming up and touching him and physically knowing for sure that this was the savior of the world that would was prophesied would come into the world and was there with them, the very first thing he teaches them is this doctrine of Christ. It's all about the, the, co- the covenants and the ordinances that we make with him. And that was the very most important thing. He could have said anything else, but that was the primary message he wanted to say. And we are so blessed, my husband and
1: I, to teach uh, an institute class to return missionaries. And every single week, we show them this little graphic. And the graphic is a foundation of the doctrine of Christ. And then we have these pillars that are put onto that foundation. And those pillars are work. And fun and courtship. We talk talk about courtship because whether you're married or not, you still need to be actively you know improving that relationship. And then, of course, service and scripture study. And upon that foundation, all of those pillars lead us to living with our heavenly Father in an eternal family. And those eternal covenants of the temple that we always talk about but are so important in our eternal progression and salvation. So I think the doctrine of Christ truly is the foundation.
0: It is. It is the foundation. It's the very most important thing that we can share with other people to the necessity for all of those things. And he says that if anybody changes those, some people don't think you have to be baptized. Some people don't think you need the Holy Ghost or to keep the commandments, that you'll just be saved through the mercy of God. And we do have to have all of those things, and we're taught all of those in the doctrine of Christ. Even um, as we're talking about covenants and entering into ordinances, we as a fallen people, I mean, we have sinned. We fall short of the um, being able to return to our Heavenly Father in the state we're in, and we need to repent and be baptized. But why do you think Christ needed to be baptized?
1: Well, he is the ultimate example. Yes. And so we need to follow his example and be baptized as well.
0: Yes. So we know from Christ that he said that he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness and to show that he would witness unto his father that he would be obedient and do whatever he's asked to do. And one of those things was the commandment of being baptized. He was sinless. But he was showing us the way, wasn't he, so when what promises do we make when we're baptized, and what does he promise in return?
1: Well, we promise that we will take upon his name upon mm-hmm. us, that we will you know always remember him, and that we will keep his commandments, and in return we will have his spirit. To be with us
0: always. Yes, that is exactly right. We promise that we will endure to the end. So you can't important just... <laughs> part so, part. So you can't just get baptized when you're eight, you know, or at some point in your life and then just go your way. We covenant that we will serve him and keep his commandments and continue to repent, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a one time thing that we repent so that we can be baptized. President Nelson has admonished us to repent daily.
1: Well, an an analogy that I oftentimes use about this is that oftentimes people think that our actions are like a bank account. You know, we put all these good things into the bank account and those are there for us to spend (laughs) to be negative. You know what I'm saying? And that as long as the amount that's in that's positive (laughs) is not more than the amount that's bad, then we're okay. And I say, no, that's not what the Lord expects of us. Instead, it's more like a sieve sieve where it has holes in it. And you have to constantly be pouring in those good works because it just is constantly pouring out. (laughs) And if we don't constantly put in those good works, then it's empty and we're empty, too.
0: Yes. And we're supposed to become like our Savior Jesus Christ, eventually be perfected in him. We could never do it on our own. Exactly. But we know that hopefully we're doing more good things in our bucket than what we're doing, you know, bad things or making bad decisions. I also think it's important that once we are on the covenant path and we've been baptized, how do we know if we are still committed to our Savior Jesus Christ? And Elder Dell G. Renlin shared with us a talk called Unwavering Commitment to Jesus Christ. He said, Being converted unto the Lord means leaving one course of action directed by an old belief system and adopting a new one based on faith in our Heavenly Father's plan and in Jesus Christ and His atonement. This change is more than an intellectual acceptance of gospel teaching. It shapes our identity, transforms our understanding of life's meaning and leads to unchanging fidelity to God. Personal desires that are contrary to being anchored to the Savior and to the following the covenant path fade away and are replaced by a determination to submit to the will of our Heavenly Father. So just like you said, just like we were discussing that hopefully we have more and more things in our lives that are leading us toward the Savior, towards him, and we're letting go of the old habits and the sins of the past, and we just try to become more and more refined and more like him as we go through our lives. Well, and we
1: talked a lot about last time with the vision that Nephi had that all the world would be getting This wonderful document, the Book of Mormon, the word of the Lord and the doctrine of Christ and its completeness, which we have here in the Book of Mormon. But we also have this beautiful vision and understanding in 31 verse 3. He says, For my soul delighteth in plainness, for after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding, for he speaketh unto men according to their language. Unto their understanding. Now I love that because we have so many languages in this world, <laughs> and I think when we look at this, we we wonder how is that going to happen. Now I I'm very blessed with a husband who is a computational linguist, so he was the one that that helped develop being translator. And after our time as and as mission leaders in Brazil. Uh, the church asked him to come and help with machine translation with the church. And so it's been really wonderful. My my husband really feels like this is kind of his mission to help this come to pass. And I just want you to know, there's there's so many more than just him. There's This is something that truly is a passion for the church, and it has been a passion for the church since the very beginning of the Restoration. Since the beginning of the restoration, the Book of Mormon has been translated into so many different languages. As a matter of fact, I thought it was interesting that um, we have this incredible talk by Elder uh, Elder Gone, when he was talking about all nations, kindreds, tongues, and he said, beginning with five thousand printed copies of the 1830 first edition of the Book of Mormon, some one hundred ninety two million copies of all or part of the Book of Mormon, have been published in 112 languages. Current Book of Mormon translations include most of the 23 world languages, which collectively are the native tongues of some 4.1 billion people. Wow. So it's pretty exciting to see this verse come to pass. Yes. And it's so many people working on making this happen. But I think it's so wonderful to think <laughs> that they get to hear the Book of Mormon in their own tongue.
0: Yes, and it's critical that they do, because that's the way they will truly understand it, if it's in their own words, isn't it? I agree. I agree. So, Mariana, in Second Nephi 31, verses 15 through 20, um, we understand the importance of enduring to the end, and that's those are the people who will be saved that we it's really important that we endure to the end and how do we really know if we are enduring to the end (laughs) oh that is so hard Uh, you know i do
1: think that it's it's important to ask the lord what he thinks i i think that all too often what you know at the end of a missionary's mission They'll always have that question. Did I do everything huh. that I was supposed to do? You know, was, was I enduring to the end, the last minute of my mission? And I, I love the, the idea that's in Preach My Gospel, that basically we don't look at the numbers. We don't look at how many baptisms mm-hmm. we had or how many people we converted to the gospel. Instead, what we look at is our hearts. And we also ask the Lord, you know, what lack I yet? And that's kind of the important thing that we must look to is the Lord to help tell us what we have to do to continue to endure to the end.
0: I love that. And and we can't just go through the motions, right? If we're reading our scriptures, but we're kind of not. And if things become routine and we've lost our passion for the gospel and we forget. Jesus Christ and not focus on him, we need to make sure that we are enduring all the way to the end. Elder Dale G. Renlund taught, Enduring to the end is not a separate step in the doctrine of Christ, as though we complete the first four steps and then hunker down, grit our teeth, and wait to die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, enduring to the end is actively and intentionally repeating The steps. So, how do we repeat the steps of the doctrine of Christ? Because we only need to be baptized once, right? The
1: sacrament. We do that every Sunday. And then going to the temple regularly as often as we can. And that's another thing that we can also look to is to think okay, what can I do more in terms of family history work, temple work, things that will bring me that kind of soul satisfying feeling? That you're doing what the Lord wants you to do.
0: Right. And when we've received those ordinances ourselves, like you're saying, we can go to the temple and we can do baptisms and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the confirmation of the Holy Ghost there for other people. That's another way we can repeat it, too.
1: Oh, I completely agree. And going right along with your, your comment about how can we know in chapter 32, verses 3 and 4, we also have another way that we can know angels speak by the power of the Holy ghost. Wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I say unto you, feast upon the words of Christ for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. Wherefore now, after I've spoken these words, if you cannot understand them, it will be because you ask not, neither do ye knock. Wherefore you are not brought into the light but must perish in the dark. So I have a question for you. What does it mean to feast on the Word?
0: I Well, we talked about that before, too. Feasting is not just nibbling. It's gorging yourself and enjoying it and really thinking about the the gospel, uh, the scriptures, right, and the Word of God. Oh, I love to eat.
1: I love to eat. I love to eat a big meal with... You know, with everything included, and it's the one of the, the great joys of my life is good food.
0: And when you're feasting too, you feel satisfied, right? Oh definitely. it brings At joy to you. It does. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about President Oak's
1: talk from April 2023, in that it was such a masterful talk, but what he did was it was just feasting on the words of Christ. The whole talk. And he said, We are given the scriptures to direct our lives. As the prophet Nephi taught us, we should feast upon the words of Christ. And then what he did, the rest of the talk, were just scriptures about Christ. And I thought how important it is that we don't lose sight. Sometimes we go to commentary. Sometimes we go to other things which are so helpful, sometimes to rejuvenate our testimonies and rejuvenate our interest. But the number one things we have to feast on are the words of Christ. Now, um, the other thing that I wanted to just point out, Elder Wong, also in um, April 2021, asked a very interesting question. And this is something else that I think we need to ask, is that sometimes our hearts get hardened. And he said, as we consider the prophet's invitation to learn to hear God's voice, are our hearts determined or hardened? How can we let God prevail in our lives and not the adversary? Now if you go to verse seven, um, but before we do so, I want I forgot to ask you another question. What's the difference between um it says neither it says you ask not, neither do you knock. What's the difference between asking and knocking? What do Ew. you think? Because he says ask and knock. And seek. <laughs> and
0: seek. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, ask. I don't know. It's funny. I've never really thought of those separately. But he
1: does use them separately. Yes, he
0: does. And one thing that I've (laughs) thought about that,
1: because I do think it's an interesting difference, is asking is when we just quickly pray. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how often have we just quickly prayed and we're not really trying very hard? I mean, it's kind of like going to the door and, and whispering. You know, when you're trying to get somebody's attention, I love that. And so, you know, you're just kind of like, okay, oh yeah, I want to see. But you, you know, they can't hear it, Mm -hmm. you know, and our prayers don't go through the ceiling when we do that. (laughs) And so, knocking is a physical determination that we want the door to open.
0: I love that. And here, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get your attention. And it's it's not a
1: passive. It's an active. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so in verse 9, before I read verse 7, I want to read verse 9. He says, Behold, I say unto you that you must pray always and not faint, that you must not perform anything unto the Lord, save it in the first place, you shall pray unto the Father. So we have to ask ourselves, all right, if we want to, have these blessings of the Lord telling us what we need to do. He's telling us that we need to ask, but it has to be more than just a, you know, just a quick prayer. It has to be a knocking, right? Mm -hmm. And a seeking for the answer. And then every time before we do something, we need to pray about it.
0: How many times in our lives do we say, I just I have this problem, what am I, I just don't even know what to do. How am I going to handle that? And we have to ask. And what happens when we ask
1: is that we don't stay in the dark. He says, "Wherefore you are not brought you you know that you'll be brought into the light, and you won't be in the dark anymore." But one thing that also happens all too often is we might get the answer, but then we don't do it,
0: and <laughs> we want to go back to we the want dark. To go back to the dark.
1: <laughs> and that's where we have verse seven, because he says. For they will not search knowledge nor understand great knowledge when it is given unto them in plainness, even as plain as word can be. So sometimes we're given the answer plainly, but maybe we don't want to do it, or it's just too hard what the Lord's asking us, or we're kind of comfy where we are. So what do you think causes people to harden their hearts
0: for the answers? Exactly what you're saying. Sometimes it's just too hard. Because we know that growth sometimes stretches us and makes us go out of our comfort zones. And sometimes it's just hard. It is hard.
1: I, you know, I love the analogy of, you know, lifting weights. Mm-hmm. And in order to get stronger, it, it does hurt sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It really hurts sometimes. And so I think the same thing's true with the Lord.
0: Mm -hmm. And what happens with your muscles if you don't keep exercising them?
1: Oh, they just get weaker and weaker and weaker. Yeah, and and... it
0: takes more effort to get them grown and growing and strong again. Exactly. So, yeah, what a great analogy. (laughs) Um, In the Book of Mormon, especially chapter 33 in today's lesson, I love that we are taught that the Book of Mormon persuades us all to believe in Christ. And a great example of this is found in Nephi's final testimony. And we're going to read just a little bit about this. Uh, sometimes we try to paraphrase and just discuss it, but sometimes I think it's good to hear the actual words of the prophet. I agree. So in verse 3, six, and uh, three, 4, 6, and 10 is what I'm going to read. But I, Nephi, have written what I have written, and I esteem it as of great worth, and especially unto my people. For I pray continually for them by day, and my eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto my God in faith, and I know that he will hear my cry. So I love his example that he truly loved the people. And to bring others unto Christ through the doctrine of Christ, I think they first need to know that we love them and we truly, truly care about them.
1: Well, and I love this verse, too, because it shows that Nephi was soft-hearted. He was not (laughs) hard-hearted. Instead, he truly, I mean, that whole idea of him crying in his pillow every night because of what he knew would be the future. And I just, for me, that just shows what a soft heart.
0: Yeah. yeah. What a what a stud. He's uh, just such a great guy. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then in verse four, and I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people and the words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them for it persuaded them to do good. It maketh known unto them of their fathers and it speaketh of Jesus. And persuaded them to believe in him and to endure to the end, which is life eternal. I love this little verse next. It's verse 6. I glory in plainness. I glory in truth. I glory in my Jesus. For he hath redeemed my soul from hell. And how beautiful is that? That is where he finds his glory and his happiness in Jesus Christ and knowing That he will be redeemed from hell. That he can live forever with his heavenly father in Jesus Christ. And now my beloved brethren and also Jew and all ye ends of the earth. So everyone hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. And if ye believe not in these words, believe in Christ. And if ye shall believe in Christ, you will believe in these words. For they are the words of Christ. And he hath given them unto me, and they teach all men that they, what they should do. So, what a f- wonderful final testimony of him is he believes and loves his Jesus, and he wants all of us, everyone, to come unto him. Well, and
1: I love that message of hope and love. Because if we look at verse 12, he says, And I pray the Father in the name of Christ that many of us, if not all, may be saved in his kingdom at that great and last day." So he does love all of us. I mean, Nephi really wants every single person to make it. And I was um, kind of thinking a lot about this. You, you You know how much I love the temple. I just love, love, love the temple. And my husband's also a sealer in the temple, and I get to work in the sealing office. And I just love to have that opportunity to partake in the sealing power. And I I was really interested when Sister Pat Holland had her funeral. President Nelson taught a really important lesson. He said, the very reason the earth was created was so families could be formed and sealed to each other. Salvation is an individual matter, but exaltation is a family matter. No one can be exalted alone. So I love that idea of many of us, if not all, may be saved. And I do think that it is a together, we're going to be saved together. We need to make sure that we do reach out to others in our family, in our neighborhoods, that we do have that same vision of Nephi, that all of us can make it. All of us have the opportunity to have not just salvation, but also exaltation with our families.
0: And would it be, would you want to be living forever by yourself?
1: I wouldn't. That is for sure. I hate being alone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing that brings us joy is our families, our, our spouses, our little children and grandchildren. That's what will make it a glorious, special place. So thank you for sharing that. In closing, let's remember some of Nephi's very final words to us. He says, And now, my beloved brethren, all those who are of the house of Israel and all ye ends of the earth, I speak unto you as the voice of one crying from the dust. Farewell until that great day shall come when we all can return right back to our Heavenly Father's presence. What a, a powerful example that he is. And we invite you this week, sisters, to look for opportunities to teach other people about why you love Jesus. Teach them that that is where happiness comes. And by your example, show them the way. Sisters, we love you. We think you're wonderful. And we're so glad you're here with us today. And we hope to see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.